You are listening to the Beyond Podcast with Timmy Riggs, one of the pastors from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. In this episode, I sat down with one of our friends, Sonia White, who about three years ago, her and her family faced a struggle where in the midst of it, they would have to choose where their trust would be. I hope you enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Beyond Podcast. I am Timmy Riggs, and today I have a fun uh, guest with us. I'm really excited about this, and it is Sonia White. So, hey, Sonia. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Um, we are coming off of our second uh, sermon. We are going to be talking about um, the fact that when hard times come, who do you trust? You know, who are you trusting when um, something's happening? Is it your finances? Is it work? Is it uh, is it God? And that's kind of what Pastor Rick talked about in the latest sermon. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't heard it yet, go to bethanynaz.org uh, slash watch. I don't know. It's somewhere. You'll find it on the website. But uh, he kind of talks about life can get so bad that you don't think you're going to be able to make it through. Uh, but sometimes desperations can become a blessing because you are focused switches and you start depending more on God, right? And uh, that's kind of what we're going to get into today. But first of all, let's talk a little bit about you so people can get to know you. Um, there is uh, one of my favorite things about you is that you might live in the city now, but uh, you were definitely a farm girl. Yes, I grew up on a farm in western Kansas, and I actually worked on that farm. I hauled hay, moved irrigation pipe, um, drove a tractor, drove a grain cart, all those kind of things, but um, I was very social. So sometimes even though we lived only a mile and a half from town, I felt a little isolated. So I wanted to be near people. Yeah. And we all, I had sisters and friends were always you know, around, but it just felt a little and isolated. It's a pretty small town, right? Yes, the population of Elkhart's about 2,500 people. My goodness. That's yeah. crazy. Did you like that growing up that way? Oh, yes. It was a great place yeah. to grow up, and I was able to be involved in everything. In high school, I could do everything because my graduating class only had 23 people. Okay. And so when you had your kids, you guys were actually still there, you and Danny. Yeah. Well, actually, I went away um, okay. for college, and um, I, did, I came here for two years and was in Olathe for two years. And then Danny and I, after we got married, lived in Stillwater for two oh, okay. years. And so my dad asked if we'd like to come back and farm. And I was like, no. And Danny was like, yes. And so <laughs> we moved back to Elkhart. Um, Danny did farm for 10 years, but then moved on to other things. Um, but we raised our family in Elkhart. So they yeah. went to the same, my kids went to the same high school that I did. That's pretty cool. My yeah. childhood was a little bit different. We moved a few times. So like, I don't have that like, you know, rooted place. Yeah. Um, but so speaking of the farm, even one time Emma and I house it for you. And one of our rewards was that we got a bunch of meat from yes. your dad's farm. So that was yes. pretty cool. Some of the best meat yes. I've had. So that's awesome. So with that, then you kind of jumped into the finance world, right? Yes. My degree was in accounting. And so while I was raising my family, I worked part time for a hospital as a staff accountant mm -hmm. there in Morton County. And then when Seth went to college, um, we decided, you know, we wanted to help pay for some of that. So I went to work full time at a co-op, which um, in the city co-op means different things to different people. But it was a grain elevator with fertilizer and fuel. OK, so yeah. still like uh, agricultural yes. type focus. Yes. So the funny thing about like, you know, and I don't I don't want to offend anybody here. But when you talk about being an accountant and going to school for accounting, sometimes yes. you can have an image that uh 
is maybe a little bit boring. I don't know. You know, you didn't hear it from me. Okay. But yeah. uh, but you are not that way, you know. And in fact, even as I grow up and meet more accountants, I'm like, yeah, I don't think most accountants aren't that boring. Um, but you, this is fun because this is one of our connections. Mm -hmm. And that is that if you've ever heard of the Enneagram, it is a kind of personality test, age old personality test, right? Kind of just tells you, hey, some of your uh, tendencies and the way that you tick a little bit. And you are a seven on the Enneagram, just like like me. And uh, tell us a little bit about being a seven. Um, being a seven, I like to have fun. I'm not the upfront center of attention kind of person. I'm a walk alongside you. Let's have a great time. And so with that being said, when it comes to jobs and problems, I just want to tackle it, get it done so that we can go back to having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. And there's been a few meetings where we've been in and maybe you and I are texting back and forth and we are zoned out after about 15 minutes, right? That's right. So right. Let's hope that doesn't happen today. Right. We get <laughs> well, if to we're having fun, it's yeah, okay. we have control of this conversation. Yes, yes. And that's the thing. Like for me, it's like, I just want to have fun. You know, yes. I want to live a big life yes. and I want every day uh, to be exciting. In fact, um, I, this is a little bit off topic, but not really. You know, we can say whatever we want. Right? Yeah. Um, there is a guy I follow who he he sells a calendar that is different. It doesn't just have all the dates. It just has 365 days and it show, it blots out the weekends. Right. And his whole thing is. You know, what do you remember? If you think back to 2017, did you do something that was exciting, something memorable with your family or with your community or whatever, right? And uh, a lot of times, many of us can be like, well, 2017, I just worked, right? I don't know. But, and so he's saying in the beginning of the year, and this is relative because it's the beginning of the year, right? You need to, you need to pick out maybe six things. Like, so in January, you're going to do something in March and, and in May. So six times throughout the year, kind of a really fun little adventure. Maybe you just take your family, uh, camping Friday night, Saturday night, whatever. Uh, and so he says that, get that scheduled first, and then you do one big event. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be a vacation. This could be a mission trip or this could be uh, a hike or, or something, you know. Um, and so his whole thing is if you don't plan the fun and the experiences, they're not going to happen. You know? Yes. And I totally agree with that. I have to have something to look forward to, you know, whether it be a trip or you know, something. So I yeah. get that. And that kind of goes along with even two weeks ago, the sermon was this idea of, hey, are the beginning of being an overcomer or being overcome. And uh, again, Pastor Rick and I talked about it a little bit, but it's, I think our personalities, uh, especially when it's rooted in faith, can tend to be a little bit more like, hey, you know, whatever situation's here, uh, I'm going to tackle it, like you just said, yes. and I'm going to get through it and we're going to keep, you know, having fun. So that kind of brings us to the meat of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, your family has really uh, been through a journey. And um, so first of all, why don't you just say this? Tell us you have uh, three grandbabies. Yes, I so do. So tell us about your three grandbabies, and then we'll get into the journey that your family had to go through. Well, and like any grandparent, I can talk about my grandbabies anytime anybody asks. But I have Samuel, who's almost three, and he is just a light in our life, and we're going to talk about him in a minute. And I have Ollie, who is 16 months old, and I get to take care of him every Friday. He's like and, a middle linebacker. Already. Oh, he yeah. is, and he is full of energy and life, and uh, we just have so much fun. And then I have Shiloh, who is six months old, and she is when she smiles she smiles all over and she is just precious yeah that's awesome yeah. um so that's so one baby girl 
You want baby girl. That's good. So, you know, Pastor Rick, this week we talked about, you know, when when just life's crumbling down on you and you're getting sucker punched, where is your trust? You know, I think it's easy uh, to say, yeah, well, I trust in God in all things, every day, all the time, right? Until we have to, (laughs) you know? And so for you guys, um, like you said, this kind of, the story revolves around Samuel a little bit. Um, But um, so basically three years ago, you guys came up to that kind of situation, uh, a moment where you said, where is our trust? Can you tell us about uh, kind of the beginning of that journey and what that situation really is? Sure. Um, First of all, obviously, I am not the main character of this story. Um, I'm more like a supporting actress, and I've sat back and watched my son Seth and his wife Hannah go through this journey with their son Samuel. So, it's is we're involved in the story, but I just wanted to point that out because sure. I am just so inspired by the way they've handled the journey. And so you're seeing it from a supporting actress point of view. <laughs> okay, very good. But Samuel um, was born six weeks early, six weeks premature. Um, we knew that he had some issues prior to birth. Um, one of them was a heart defect. They thought he had hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which would require three surgeries over the course of of several years. After he was born and they looked at his heart, they were like, something has changed, which was the beginning of the many miracles that we saw. And he still had a heart defect, but it wasn't as severe as that. Um, He had a narrowing of an aorta that had to be fixed. But Um, because of the condition he was born with, which they found out after his birth, he had EVC, which is Ellis Van Creveld syndrome. It's very rare. Um, There's only one doctor in the United States that specializes in Mm. it, um, which our kids were able to connect with. But with that disease or that syndrome, um, there's a narrowing of the chest. And so his lungs Um, were constricted, you know, they didn't develop and weren't strong. Um, He has extra digits on his hands. Um, The heart condition, there's usually some kind of heart defect with that, which he had. So um, he would have to have surgery, but they were worried about his lungs too. So our kids had to make some decisions about what to do, who to do the surgery, that kind of thing. They decided to connect with the doctor that specialized in EVC, but she was in Pennsylvania, and her team worked out of Children's Hospital there in Delaware. So after Samuel was a few weeks old, they transported him, flew him to Delaware, where at that time they did the heart surgery, and he had multiple surgeries, six in total. Um, Some of the surgeries were not related to the EVC. He had intestinal problems that weren't related to EVC, just different things. But um, Seth and Hannah left their home in January of 2018 and did not return home until October Mm. of 2018. So that's kind of of it all in a summary. Yeah. And so did he have, uh, how quickly did he have surgery? As after he was born, he was six weeks old when he had his heart surgery. Mm, so. My gosh! And I, you know, so like you said, you're kind of speaking as the uh, a supporting actress. You know, I think about um, my mom and how much she talks about how much she loves me, and and uh, the the day that when we experience being parents, that we'll kind of 
then begin to realize how much she loves us, you know. Yes. But so even for you, there was that y your grandbaby that you're so worried about that you love that you're praying for. But then it, you're, you're thinking about your kids, too, you know, like and so it's this total package, yes. you know. Um, so how did how did it make you feel? You know, what was your reaction? And, and this question is kind of connected to your relationship with God. Were, right. were you angry with God or did you feel like, hey, I think we can lean in. I'll let you answer it. But how, how sure. did you feel during that? Um, I was never angry with God. And as a matter of fact, I never questioned God in this process. Um, I learned to trust God from a very young age. And I have seen God work in my life in many ways. And then my, my dad, my grandmother told stories. And so I, I have a trust in God. Um, it was hard to watch, and I had times when I melted down. There were expectations of being a grandparent for the first time, like being in the waiting room, waiting for him to arrive and getting to go see him shortly after. Um, those kind of things didn't happen. I didn't see Samuel in person till he was three months old, mm. and I didn't actually get to hold him till he was five months old. So those kind of things, as a grandparent, you have expectations, and though you're disappointed, and I think God understands that. Yeah. He understands that we can have those tears and we can mourn that loss, but there's such beauty in the journey. You know, it's not a journey we would choose, and it's definitely not something I would choose for my kids. I, there were times when I wished I could have taken that from them and carried it myself. But there is such beauty in this journey, yeah. such beauty. That's amazing. That is such a wise and, you know, kind of like just spiritually mature answer, you know, because it's so easy to just sometimes wonder when, when, when bad things are happening, like, Hey, what, you know, why me? You know, I actually, I've just, I've had a conversation with someone last week where they kind of went through something pretty serious. And, and that was one of their main questions. I don't think that is wrong either. No, I think that no. that is also part of the journey. You right. know, uh, I actually, when you think about that, don't stop wrestling with God. We think right. about Jacob, you know, so in, in the old Testament where he wrestled with God. And so it's like, let that be, uh, something in you. Don't just give up and say, well, I guess God hates us or he doesn't exist or he's not real. No, he wants to be a part of the journey you know and I really um and have been thinking a lot about yesterday you know we had a little meeting kind of mm -hmm. talking about what we were going to talk about and you brought up this like moment where you thought hey I, I think I know why bad stuff happens and I thought it was um incredible and so can you tell me a little bit about that story and yes. how you got to that point yes um because it was flu season when Samuel was born, that's one reason we couldn't see him personally. We couldn't go into the NICU. We spent a lot of time at the NICU, outside of the NICU, taking care of taking food to Seth and Hannah, you know, those kind of things, but we couldn't actually see Samuel. So um, right before they were getting ready to fly him to Delaware, they decided to open up and flu season had kind of died down. So they were allowing people to go in and, and see Samuel. Um, I was in Dallas at a conference. And so the minute Seth told me that, I packed up and I drove, I started driving to Little Rock where they were before they were transported out. And I was, you know, trying to get there so I could meet Samuel before they flew him, flew him out. Um, about halfway to Little Rock, Seth called and they, and he said they're gone. Mm. Um, the, they got things loaded really quickly. Hannah and Seth and Samuel are on the plane. You know, it's, he's not here. I had to pull over 
at that point, I had a major meltdown because I just wanted to see him. I hadn't yeah. got to see him, and now he's clear across the country in Delaware. So I pulled over and had my meltdown, um, pulled myself together, drove on to Little Rock so I could help Seth um, get a plane ticket, get his things packed, um, you know, so that he could go. When I got to Little Rock, I went to the Ronald McDonald house where they were staying, and that place is amazing. I mean, I've heard of Ronald McDonald House, mm -hmm. but I didn't know about Ma Ronald yeah. McDonald House. And so we're so thankful they stayed there. And then they also were at a Ronald McDonald House in Delaware. So after I loaded Seth's um, luggage and everything and helped him, and one thing that stuck out to me about this too is we had to go buy gift certificates for all the nurses. Mm. Seth wanted to give them all gift cards before <laughs> he left. And we had to go back to the children's hospital you know, before he left and he, they're just so thankful for everybody, That's so you know, thoughtful. just little things along the way like that, where my kids ministered to others, but yeah. that's just a it side note. Goosebumps. So just yeah. a simple thing. Yeah. yeah. So after I put Seth on the plane and I, I went ahead and drove back here to Oklahoma city. And when I'm driving like that by myself, a lot of times I listen to sermons and I don't even know who to give this credit to because I listen to so many different things. But as I was driving and listening, probably, probably me or Pastor Ray. <laughs> it it could have been, it could have very well been. But as I was driving, I was listening to some things and and um, one of the sermons even talked about why bad things happen to good people. And watching Seth do what he did with the gift cards, looking at the Ronald McDonald House and all the people that donate and build that and do those things, I was like, I know why bad things happen to good people. It's so that good people will remember to do good. Yeah. And I. I, it just was an epiphany for me. Yeah, yeah. I think it connects so much. So many scriptures pop in my head, but just being light in a dark world, you know, being the salt of the earth and, and those kind of things. It's opportunities to say, hey, I'm going to uh, sow here so I can reap here later. And when I do that, others will be able to see and be encouraged by our good works, right? And so right. though good works don't save us, that no. is a big part of who we are. Right. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't, um, I completely lost my thought. But it, yeah, I lost my thought. No, there, that's so. okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I just, I love that story, and I love the uh, optimism that you had throughout it. You know, uh, I just heard someone, um, I think Simon Sinek or whatever, I don't know, he big leadership guy, and he talks about optimism isn't that you see a cup that's half full and you just think, yeah, it's half full. I don't even pay attention to the half empty part. He's like, no, it's just that basically he used the word faith that it is uh, the opportunity for the rest of the cup to be filled. Right. And there's more opportunity here uh, right. to do good. And so, uh, man, I just, I love that. So let me read. This was the passage from Sunday, okay. and uh, I'm going to get that into our next question. But it's 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, eight, verse 8 through 11. And uh, Pastor Rick has been reading through where Paul is kind of talking about like, oh, you thought this was just going to be gravy, right? Like life was just easy. And, and as you're telling me and as so many other people know, that's just not always the case. And so he says this, we do not want you to be uninformed. Brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, no, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, 
and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, and that we will conti- he will continue to deliver us, as you will help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious uh, favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So I want to get into prayer because that was a huge part. There's a lot of things I remember even during this journey. Um, but can you first talk a little bit about how maybe maybe it didn't change, but just your view on prayer uh, throughout this process and how important and vital it was? I'm amazed at the people who truly are prayer warriors. And I was amazed at how many people began to pray for Samuel and continued to pray for Samuel even three years, almost three years after his birth. And we did a couple of prayer vigils, one when when his life was hanging in the balance when he was still in Little Rock. And they put out like a prayer chain. It was an online prayer chain. And um, it was over 48 hours. And people signed up for 15, sometimes 30-minute slots to pray continuously for those 48 hours. And then it was again when he had his heart surgery, they did the same thing. And so people all over the world were praying for Samuel. I'm We saw many different countries pop in there. And it was such a blessing to me. And during this time, I, I'm not a great journaler, journaler. I do do some journaling, and I wish I did more, because during this time, I really did journal mm. my prayers. And when you asked me to do this, I was able to look back, and I remember how I felt, remember those prayers. But And sometimes things didn't change, and sometimes, like when his intestines didn't work, we prayed for weeks that that something would move and you know it it took a long time and sometimes it's hard to keep praying for the same thing over and over and over again but and sometimes you don't know what to pray but that's where the spirit steps in and intercedes for us you know and i saw that many times because sometimes i just had tears i didn't know what to say you know so yeah and i uh that was one of the things that as i was thinking through you know, our conversation. I remember uh, a couple nights maybe where we had set our timer for 2.30 a.m., you know, and uh, that was kind of, we were like, what slot do we want to pick? And, you know, I was just like, hey, I think it's easier for us to get up in the middle of the night, yeah. so let's do that. And um, so it even being a part of that was um, really incredible, mm-hmm. you know, and to walk through and to keep getting the reports. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, I mean, for like two years, it kind of felt like, hey, let, let's we need to be praying you know yes. i mean we still do but yes. it, even then it was it was crucial right um so with that uh community i think that again one of the things that i care a lot about in when it comes to helping people come to know jesus and become like him is helping people realize hey it's just not it's not just about sticking to some code or some rules or whatever it, it, it's about you know obviously relationship with Christ but like the church the community that God the gift that he has given us right in our in church I mean body of people not just yes. buildings yes. and um, that having people to come alongside you I, I, I think there's so many scenarios in our life where I take for granted this community that I have, right? And think that, hey, there's a lot of people out there that don't have it. So I want to encourage you, if you are listening to this and you are not plugged in to some kind of church in your community, um, one of the things I love is, hey, you don't have to believe to belong. And you find a church like that that's going to love you and walk with you. So if you're in the middle of something like this or just regular everyday life, um, you need 
people around you, supporting you, whether it's your small group, Sunday school class, just meeting people uh, from a service, whatever. Um, and so uh, my focus here is is community. So how big was the role of the church and community? I don't even know if that's the right way to ask it, but just how meaningful was it to have community like this around you? Yes, and I'll speak, first I'll speak on behalf of Seth and Hannah. Um, they had been going to a really large church where um, the kids worshiped separately from the adults. I don't, I don't even know if they had a family service like we do here at BFC, but they had decided at that point that they wanted to um, have more of a family worship. So they began looking for another church prior to Samuel being born, and they found a church and had only attended it three times before they were flown mm. or to Little Rock. And so um, that church was amazing for my, even though they had only been there three times, that that church helped them financially, um, you know, the prayer thing, the baby shower. I mean, that community grabbed on to Seth and Hannah, I was amazed. They yeah. had only been there three times, and I was amazed, and they continued to walk. You know, Seth and Hannah aren't able to go to church um, and be in person because of Samuel's condition, and they just don't want him um, being exposed. Especially now. Yes, you know, this yes. Year now they were just too. getting to the point where they could, and yeah. then it shut down. So, But that church continues to support Seth and Hannah. So we saw that. And then also Seth works for a company that I believe is, is part of his community as well. And that company did the same thing. They provided for Seth and Hannah financially. They, they paid for plane tickets for Seth you know, back and forth, and um, they sent them food gift cards. They um, allowed Seth to work remotely the mm. whole time. He even received a raise on his way home from Delaware, wow. you know, and had not stepped foot in his office since January. So, you know, those things, that community was great. And then also, as the supporting grandparent, I needed community too, and I found that here. First of all, BFC, my workplace, all of you all, you know, like you said, you joined the prayer vigil as well as many other of my coworkers here. Yeah, I don't even know if we mentioned that, that, that Sonia is actually on staff here at the yes. church. Works in the <laughs> we didn't office. talk about yeah. that, did we? Yeah. But even the ladies in, in my office, I mean, prayed with me constantly through this time. And then we were also able to connect with a prayer group here at BFC that's led by Tim Haas. And that was we met weekly and that was amazing not only did we pray for Samuel but we prayed for others that were going through you know very very tough times and that was so encouraging to us and this community has just been amazing yeah and then like I said you know when you say the church the worldwide church and the prayers that have gone up for Samuel and the the commitment. My little hometown of Elkhart, I cannot go back even to this day without somebody asking me about Samuel or talking about Hannah's blog, you know, something she posted about Samuel. Which, it, what it can, what's the... Tell us about the blog, how people could find it if they're Yes, interested. and if you're interested, Hannah is a gifted writer. She has done an amazing job um, speaking on... Samuel's journey, but it's his story, his glory. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's kind of, man, little, I didn't get to see him, but I've seen plenty of pictures. 
last week he came up and I didn't yeah. get to see him, but um, I've seen a lot of pictures. He He's walking now. Yes. Right. And he's got a little walker. He's got a little walker. And um, I mean, pictures, he's just always grinning ear to ear. Happy little guy. I've seen him in person. I got to come over to your house once. And, you know, again, you had to be really delicate yeah. and stuff, but I got to see him for a second and he just was, was joyful. Yes. And, and he's also been on event. I didn't mention this earlier, but he's been on a ventilator. Um, he was on a ventilator from the time he was born until just this past August. And so he's only been without the vent for a few months, but it has changed his life, you know, and he's speaking, he can count to 20. He can do his ABCs. He's not even three yet. You know, he's very, you know, God has done amazing things with his little mind. And I mean, he's such a blessing to be around. His little personality is just beautiful man that's so good well hey uh thank you sonia for taking the time talking about that and again uh this is about this idea that when we are rooted in christ we we are overcomers and um it might not be the situation we hope for or wanted to be in but yet we can see so many blessings coming out of it absolutely and uh so uh with that being said uh if there's you know the story kind of touched you and there's some kind of way that you want to help Seth and Hannah and um, Samuel and Shiloh now, um, just let us know. Contact us, and, and Sonia can help for sure. And then uh, you could follow Hannah's blog, His Story, His Glory. Yes, okay, absolutely. yeah, and I think that would be awesome. And uh, man, well, appreciate you. Yeah, and is there any you. way specific prayer requests for them right now because of just this, you know, COVID and all that? Is there anything? Um, yes, just pray that he doesn't get sick because of his lungs. You know, we even though children aren't suffering a lot because of his lungs, it could be devastating. Yeah. And um, actually, um, tomorrow they will be heading to Little Rock for orthopedic and dental, okay. you know, which are both related to the EBC. Things aren't as serious as they were, you know, a couple of years ago and even into last year, but they still have a journey. Sure. Yeah. So, so throw them on your, your prayer list for sure. Well, thank you, Sonia. And, uh, hope that you guys enjoyed.